This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, good morning. I don't want to start crying already. (laughs) You know, it's always been about people. It's always going to be about people, so we celebrate with you and glad all of you are here today and you know, I just had a little God thought there a minute ago, right there in our praise and worship, that we have all these, these teens here that just the passion of God, the zeal of God, and I personally believe that the next great revival in America will come through young ones. And so I don't know about you, but on Wednesday night, I just had the thought, let's just make it a youth service right here in the main auditorium. And we can come in here and hear a word from our teens and get inspired. So everybody okay with that? Well, good. Even if you're not, that's what we're going to do anyway. So. No, we want to honor what, what God did. And I, I know many of you parents want to hear what took place there. If you got a, or need a Bible, once you raise your hand, once you get your Bible, go with me to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're on our series of Critical Spirit. We're going to take another slant today, and so Matthew 7 is where we'll begin. I don't know if you've ever realized, but fault finding is not one of the fruits of the Spirit, and a critical spirit's not one of the gifts of the Spirit either. And so we, we live in a society where it's very easy to be critical and opinionated, judgmental. So we begin here in Matthew 7. In verse number one, the Lord Jesus said, judge that you be not judged. Wow. And this was the Lord Jesus' words. He said, judge, why do we not judge so you won't be judged? Now the Amplified says that do not judge, criticize, or condemn others so that you won't be judged, criticized, or condemned. The message says don't criticize their faults unless you want the same treatment. The message or the the passion translation says refuse to be a critic. And so here the Lord Jesus immediately just gives us some credible insight. And I believe it's a word in due season. I really do. And so he goes on to get a little deeper in verse 2 and he says, For with what judgment you judge you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The measure you use, the standard you use, to the degree or the depth that you use it, understand what Jesus said. It's gonna come back at you, okay? So he's telling me and you that this thing called judgment, criticism, and fault finding has the ability to boomerang on every one of us. Now, it gives us credible insight on this. Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your, other's, your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How, how true that is. I, I would rather focus on the faults of other people, and it's easier to see their faults than it is to see mine. And so when you think about a speck in somebody's eye, it's almost like 
I want to major on the minor. But yet I got a telephone pole stuck in my eye and I would rather minor in my life on the major. Verse four. Or how can you say to your brother, let remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Verse five. Hypocrite. You know what the word hypocrite means? It means to be a pretender. It means to wear a mask. It has the meaning, I'm holier than thou. I'm I'm better than you. A hypocrite is a person that acknowledges Jesus with their lips, but they deny him with their lifestyle. And so he said, hypocrite. And then look what he says about the hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. So he gives us the remedy. The very first thing I'm to do is I'm to get healed in my own life. I'm to allow God to move in my own life. And he says, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So Jesus wants us to help other people, but our job isn't to censor everybody else I don't have the spirit of fault finding and I I sure don't need to regard the sins of other people. And so this is real interesting, everything that the, the Lord Jesus said in all of this right here. Don't be sacrilegious. Same chapter, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep clothing. Now, a false prophet is a false teacher who pretends to have, be a Christian guy. But their real purpose is selfish and destructive. And he says, but inwardly, on the inside of them, they are Evenius wolves. And then in verse 16, he says, you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their lifestyle. You will know them by their conduct, by their integrity, their teaching, and they're influencing. Now, when you look at fruit, fruit is measurable data. It's observable data. In other words, you can see the fruit in somebody's life. And God is telling us, don't don't be more impressed with somebody's charisma. Look at their character. Look at long-term fruit. Now, I don't care who we are, the fruit in your life and my life can change if we'll welcome the grace of God and we'll welcome the Holy Spirit. You know what grace is? Grace is God's enabling power within us. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to be godly even in an ungodly world. Now, I'm getting ready to take you to Ephesians 6. Go ahead and turn there. And I don't don't share this today this passage in Ephesians 6 to beat anybody up, okay? This is just to locate us and to take inventory of my heart. And I live by the same Bible that you live by, okay? And so we, we got to welcome this area of our life and you'll begin to see where we're going today and there's purpose and reason why we go there This is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 1. 
Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Children, listen to your parents. You know, obedience is in my action. Obey your parents. Now, obviously, it doesn't take a rocket. I don't obey him if my dad tells me, go out and rob a bank tomorrow. That's not God, okay? That's not what he's talking about. But we are to obey our, our parents. Now, when you look at this and you'll begin to see everything become clearly through the word of God, when it says obey your parents, that literally has the meaning as long as you live under their roof, you are to obey them. The day you start buying your own toothpaste and deodorant, then you can start obeying yourself, all right? But until then, you're to obey your parents. Why? In the Lord or in the sight of God as God's representatives. Now, this is God's order. This is how God put life into motion. And he says, for this is right. This is right in God's eyes. So we get the first part here. Verse two, honor your mother and father. The word honor literally means to esteem, to value, to respect, and to love. Obedience is as long as you live under their roof. Honor is the rest of your life. Really. So I realize this, and I want to put you to easier. Honor is in my attitude. Obedience is in my action. I know there's many of you in here that have had are, are horrible moms or dads, horrible, okay? That doesn't mean you're to go on a date with them. That doesn't mean you're going to go on a picnic with them. You can use boundaries around them. But when you see the word honor, that means literally in my words. It's very easy for you to be critical of them. And so in other words, when he's talking about honor, it's like mama used to say, if you can't say anything good, then what? And you guys have learned well from mama. Honor your mother and father. Again, if you can't say good words about them, just keep your, your, betty, your mouth shut. Better be careful. Why is this such a big deal to God? Keep reading. It is the first commandment. It is not the first suggestion. If you'll notice, he said, it is a commandment. You can go back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and you'll find it in there. It is the first commandment and not only is the first commandment, it's the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? Verse three, it will be well with you and long life on this earth. Now let me ask you something. How many of you want it to be well with you? The ones of you who did not raise your hand, we're going to cast the spirit of lying out of you after the service. I want it to be well with me. Now let me ask you a question right now. If your life isn't going well with you at this moment, could it be because you've dishonored your mother and father? Now, there's a promise. There's a promise. 
if. Can I give you an if statement? If if and buts were candy and nuts, what a Merry Christmas we'd have. See, there's a promise it'll be well with you in long life, but the other side of that story, if I don't want to obey this, if I don't want to obey this commandment, and you don't have to obey, but you got to understand there's consequences, it won't be well with you. It won't be long life on this earth. And so the reason I'm highlighting this is we live in a very critical world right now where it's almost like it's cool to criticize and to mock and to ridicule your mother and father. You can thank that. You can live that. But you better understand there's consequences with it. So why are you talking about this? I just want us to make us all aware that the Bible doesn't lie. The Bible is the truth. The Bible is going to happen. So when I don't honor and obey my mother and father, it leads to violence and it leads to destruction. I'm watching the news. I'm not watching them, I'm looking at it on my computer. On Tuesday, July 4th, 2023, in the United States of America, there was 122 shootings, major ones. 122. The majority of the ones, the vast majority of the ones that did the shooting were under 25 years old. We are in an epidemic within our society of violence and destruction because I believe part of this is a result of not being taught, honor and obey. And so when I don't honor and obey, just remember, there's gonna be consequences. And if you've ever studied the Bible, the Bible has a, a great history of Repeating itself. So go with me to, to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. I'm skipping there, Grace. I know I'm skipping. Genesis 9. As you're turning to Genesis chapter 9, I want to paraphrase just a little bit to set the stage of what's going on here. But the, the Bible talks in Genesis 6 a thing called the wickedness and the judgment of man. So I'm reading here, and in this time, it said that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. The wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the society begins to get further and further and further away from God. And the result is this wickedness and the evil uh, tendencies. But if you keep going through Genesis 6, you come to this phrase in verse 8. And it talks about this man named Noah. And it says, Noah found the grace of God. Now, to find the grace of God, you know what that tells me? He was looking for it. He was on a search for it. And so Noah taps into the grace of God. 
This is the first time in the Bible that the word grace is mentioned. That's why I'm bringing this up. So when you read into this, this guy named Noah, he realizes the only way I'm going to make it in this evil society, I got to have some grace. I need some grace, Lord. I welcome the grace of God. Then the Bible says in verse 9 that Noah walked the earth blameless or with integrity. He stood out. He was godly in an ungodly world. You know what it shows me? No matter how ugly this world can, can become, we can still be godly. But I got to honor what God says. So we get to this chapter, the end of chapter 6, and the Lord informs Noah and he says, it's become so bad, I'm going to have to destroy it. The sin of mankind has reached proportions that God said, I got to destroy it. So we get to chapter number 9. And in this passage here, the Lord had told Noah, he said, Noah, you got to build this cruise ship. So Noah's building this cruise ship. It takes him 120 years. People mocked him. They ridiculed him doing that. But when I begin to look within this, the thing that began to get my attention, the day that they got on that, that cruise ship, there was eight people. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives, which make up the family. Now I read that, and here's what I begin to see in there that, that got my attention. For Noah's sons and daughter-in-laws to be on there, he had to impact their lives. He had to teach them the things of God. He had to say to them, listen, fellas, God's getting ready to destroy this. And they had to listen because if they didn't listen, they would have gone with Uncle Buck or Aunt Susie who didn't make it. So they had to listen to the coaching of their daddy and their mama. So they make it. Chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So he tells them, this is your assignment, fellas. I want you to have children. And if you'll notice right there, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Some people take that literally. Be fruitful and multiply. There she is, right there. There's a volunteer right there. That is a mother of nine children. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you in his faith. <laughs> this was God's heart, again, right here. So if you look into that, you know what he's telling Noah? I want you to have a lot of kids, but I want you to, I want you to raise them godly. I want you to train them up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. That's Proverbs 22. Teach them the things of God. Correct them. Encourage them. Discipline them. Same chapter, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. Now this, this is a little phrase, Ham was the father of Canaan. You'll see several times in the Bible, and it's real clear. The Bible really wants us to know this. 
When the Bible has repetition, it's saying you got to get this. Verse number 19. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, the three, from these three, the whole earth was populated. The whole earth was populated from Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You know what that really means? That really means that every one of us sitting in this sanctuary right now, we're related. Whether you like it or not, you're related to me. The pastor, you're too white. Sorry, I can't change that. Can't help it. Couple things I didn't choose. I didn't choose to be male. I didn't choose to be white. I just, here I am, whoop. But we are all of this right here, okay? This is bloodline. Verse 20. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he, had a, he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine. Noah drank of the wine. Noah had such a desire for wine that he grew his own vineyard. Keep reading. And was drunk. Noah's not a real good example. He, he becomes drunk. Do you know that in Proverbs 20 verse 1, it says that a person that is a drunkard is a fool. And if you want to look at that, the reason it talks about that is because a drunkard becomes obnoxious. He becomes arrogant. He likes to argue. His decision makings are horrible. And he ultimately just becomes a fool. That's all Proverbs chapter 20. And so I'm reading that and I can stand here before you today and said, I've had bouts of drunkenness in my life, okay? That's a long time ago. But every one of those things that it talked about, I said, yes, yep, that's it. And so he becomes drunk. And his drunkenness leads to a next act. Now keep reading. And he became uncovered in his tent. So let me give you a little picture here. Noah gets drunk. He strips down into the, the, to the raw. And he passes out in his tent. Noah is wasted. Hmm. Verse 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan. There that statement is again. He saw the nakedness of his father. He, he sees the, and so when I read this, Ham's actions were somehow a form of dishonoring his father. He sees the nakedness of his father. Now, watch where you begin to see through the wording how his dishonoring takes place. And he told his two brothers outside. So what he does is he witnesses all this with his father. He leaves the tent and he goes outside and he tells his two brothers. So what you see here, he becomes critical of his father. He mocks his father. He ridicules his father to his brothers. And I believe it may have gone something like that. You ought to see that drunk fool in there. He's drunker than a skunk. He, he's a naked jaybird. So instead of 
dishonoring his father, he dishonors him. He exposes his father's sin. Hmm. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, went in backward, and they covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. They go into the tent, but they won't even look. They go backwards. They put this towel up where they can. So the one brother exposes his sin, but the two other, they cover his sin. One dishonors, the other two honors. And a lot of times we look and think, maybe not a big deal. Oh, we got to keep reading the story and you'll see when I dishonor, there's huge consequences. So it goes on to say, so Noah woke from his wine and knew what the younger son had done to him. Then he said, cursed be Canaan. And you look and you think, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Curse be Canaan? Ham's critical, disrespectful, and judgmental tongue caused problems for his son and, and Noah's grandson. And so it said, cursed be Canaan. Anytime I dig in this, I can't find exactly what he did, but it's very apparent that this grandson was a participant. He was in partnership. And so it says, Noah said, cursed be Canaan. What that literally means, there would be a curse upon a group of people called the Canaanites. And I studied the Canaanites, and the Canaanites were very ungodly. They were wicked. They were sexually immoral in crazy ways, and they were a bunch of drunkards. Now listen real close, and you may want to mark this. This is Deuteronomy 27, 16. Deuteronomy 27, 16 says, Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. That word cursed means when you humiliate them, when you shame them, there becomes a self-imposed curse. Whew. Sure got quiet in this Episcopalian church. Huh. Wow. Curse be Canaan. Verse 26, and he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. There was a blessing poured out on Shem. Shem was incredibly godly. There were many men in the Bible that studied under Shem. This may be a fact that you didn't know. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, comes from the lineage of Shem. He says in verse 27, may God enlarge, make room or increase Japheth and may he dwell in the tents of Shem and may Canaan be his servant. So he pronounced a blessing on the two and a curse on the other one. Why? Somehow through all that he was dishonoring. Don't think God's word still doesn't come to pass. 
One last passage. Go with me to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. You're going to be see something, things here. And the only reason I read these Proverbs here is because they'll locate you. They'll locate our heart. And our heart is always to get right with God. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds his father instruction. A wise son heeds his father's correction. Can I walk you through the other side? A foolish son does it. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Verse 2. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. A man will eat well by the words that come out of his mouth. So when I'm critical toward my mother and father, you better get ready. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Don't think your tongue doesn't have power. So when you speak those things and then you look at someone and say, I was only kidding, just remember what this said here. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth or the man won't eat well at all. It will be bad. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. So when I speak words that are critical and judgmental, you know what I've done? I've attracted violence. Verse three, he who guards or controls his mouth preserves his life. It will be long life on this earth. He preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So the next time you're running with some folks that think it's cool to be critical of their parents, just remember, they are a traction to the fruit of violence and destruction. Verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know what the definition of a fool is in the Bible? One who lacks spiritual sense. One who doesn't applaud the word of God. He doesn't apply the word of God. He doesn't look to knowledge from the word of God. So I'm reading all this. I think, Lord, have I been critical? Have I been judgmental in this area? Opinionated. See, maybe I've gotten off track. I had a lady in the first service say to me, Pastor, I had a horrible father. And I said, I'm aware of that. And she said, I put boundaries around him where he can't come around me. She said, is that dishonoring? And I said, Absolutely not. That's wisdom. I can honor from a distance. 
But before I dishonor, I got to really think with the same judgment that I judge, it'll be measured back to me. So again, before I speak critical or negative opinionated things, maybe I ought to just be quiet. You know, I thought about that the other day. I thought that would be huge progress for me just to be quiet. Would that be progress for me? I'm like, that would be big for just me just to be quiet. See, I believe this is God's heart right now. I believe this needs to be spoken in our churches. But not only that, I I challenge us to pray. To pray for our children. Our children are bombarded with stuff that I'd never imagined to be bombarded with. And I don't mean this in an ugly way. I, I was never taught growing up, I'm a boy, but I'm supposed to be a girl. I wasn't taught that, okay? We live in a society right now where the world is coming after. We've got to pray. We've got to make a stand. And we've got to pray for them. Why don't you stand up here with me? That's why I want to celebrate our teenagers on Wednesday night. We ought to be grateful that our children have a desire to serve God. We ought to be Thank you, Father God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Today, do you need to get back on track? Today, do I need to take full ownership of my judgment, my criticism, my condemnation? See, thank God we can repent and get our hearts back right with God. And then what would happen if every one of us in here said, Father God, I ask you to grace me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to birth within me. That I would be a person of honor. See, if I'm critical toward my mother and father, I'll be critical toward my boss. It's just, it's a slippery slope. And so God wants to preserve us. God wants there to be blessings spoke over us. But you've seen through the Bible today how that takes place. So as our team gets ready to play, I welcome you to come to these altars today. Maybe you just need a fresh anointing of honor. Maybe you need to come down here and repent. Because with the same measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. And if all hell's hitting the fan right now, maybe, 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 I need to get my heart right. I need a fresh outpouring of grace today, Father God. So I, I, you're not doing this for me, okay? You do this between you and God. Say, Father God, I, I need you to rain on me right now. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.